hey, yeah, take it easy on the testicles. They get cancer, you know. You know, Dude, this isn't your uncle Joy, all right? <laughs> it's not. It's not an affront to you. All all pieces get cancer. Testicles it's all equally funnier. bad. Yeah, and Sorry, testi- you can live through the testicle one. Yeah. That's an easy one to get. They say. Jerk practice, jerk practice. Sketch boys love to reminisce. Yeah. Yeah. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm cold. I think my blood is getting thinner. You got a thin? You need some iron? A little extra iron? You know what? That's funny you mentioned it. I take an iron pill and now I use a cast iron skillet. Put some of that iron into my beans. Just chew on that. Yeah, yeah, chew on that skillet. It's seasoned. It's seasoned. You know, when you really are around a true cast iron skillet, it takes all mm-hmm. the fun out of that old gag. Yeah. It's a weapon. Oh, yeah. It's a dangerous. No, exactly. I... It That will destroy someone. I get nervous about dropping it. My toe. No, that skillet is like a no joke. Like, oh, she's going to club him with that skillet. I was like, she's going to brain that dude. And his eyes are going to shoot out of his yeah, head. Yeah, right. Um, that's when men were men. You know. We, I'll take a skillet off the old bean. Put and a, then I'll smack you around and say, make me dinner. Well, I was thinking about, you know, Oregon Trail. They're like, all right, I'm going to buy 12 oxen, 13 skillets. I was like, no fucking way are you loading up on multiple skillets if you're hitting the trail too much weight you what gotta force those a, rivers you need an ox just for your skillets skillet ox that's <laughs> that's the like the teddy oh, roosevelt's that's the fancy skillet mule. city boys you got your <laughs> skillet mule city boy <laughs> well cause he needs a, a skillet for the fat back <laughs> then he needs a skillet for the carrots a skillet for yeah, don't you don't mix uh, meat and veg. You can't. Not if you're a Roosevelt. Oh no, not even if you're the the most rugged of Roosevelts. My favorite. I love. There's a fame. So, um, famously, Teddy Roosevelt. Welcome to the Jerk Practice Podcast. I'm Hans. I'm Casey. Famously, Teddy Roosevelt, um, or infamously, lost his first wife and mother. In the same, like, 24-hour period. Tainted skillet. That's what set the tone for him. He <laughs> yeah. never mixed the skillet. So, the lore goes. <laughs> That's, uh, that brings Hunted me. skillets. To, that brings me to, like, the, the legitimacy of, like, the tainted water in the White House. But that's for another day. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, he's like, I got to get out of New York pawned his one daughter off on a relative and was like i'm going west he's like i'm gonna rough it and then my favorite is like little boy fauntleroy he went to tiffany's had like a diamond studded knife made special cufflinks and then he's got this famous picture that he took um i guess it would have been later but essentially at like Whoever the hotshot Manhattan photographer, I keep thinking like Matthew Brady, but it would have been after. Oh, seven. it's not like I keep thinking Thomas Nast, but he's like he's the cartoonist. He's, he's the yes, racist the... illustrator. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Teddy Roosevelt, he went and there's this beautiful photo. He's got these beautiful like luscious mustache. He's young, obviously, 
beautiful buckskin coat. Oh, yeah. No. Shimmery cane or whatever. And then he goes. I'm calling up. for a Photoshop. It is Teddy Roosevelt's face on Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber. Like, that's what I picture. Like, go west, young <laughs> yes. man. Yes. It's yes. that beautiful, like, not even orange tan. Like, that young, young calf skin. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's never touched the sun. So the rumor is that when he went out to North Dakota, they're like, look at this city boy with his skillet mule. And then he just got up Goodfella style, <laughs> took that Tiffany diamond studded 22 and <laughs> but bashed the guy over the nose, which is probably the truth is he's like, oh, yeah. And like he wrestled a bull or something bullshit. He probably yeah, just killed course. a man and was like, I can kill a man on Fifth Avenue. Now what? Away with it. What are you going to do about it? I'll, I'll kill a man here and I can just give him a, a one saw buck. <laughs> yeah, Manhattan, yeah. I got to grease a bunch of palms here. I just got to. Hey, you come here. Here's 10 bucks. Bury this fucking fool. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to it's easy to have gusto when you're just like. Was that post Rough Rider? We're talking like post Rough oh, Rider. Young, like, young, 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 young. So this, he he has mm-hmm. been in Puerto Rico. Oh no! I'm dying sorry. No, of no, 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 jungle no, no, no. disease. This is pre pre. I was mixing my oh, pre's and posts. This is pre. Um, uh, Taste of the chief. world. Then this is pre everything. He's like a 21 year old young. So buck. he's just fresh out of the Harvard wrestling league. Yep, yeah, yep, yep, yep. He's out of school. He's got his first like love of his life. She's pregnant with their second daughter or something. She dies in childbirth, and he, oh no, she it's dies just... of like typhoid. And mom dies the same way because she was around him. You know, this is what this is why the yeah. first the flu pandemic killed more people than COVID nineteen because you know people just kind of were they were skillet tough. They're like, my wife yeah. is sick. I'm gonna be around putting wet claws on her head, and they're like, well, yeah, of course you got sick now too. Right? No, but you yeah you don't know, and also you have. Nothing else to like. What else are you gonna do? You you live in a one room oh, shack well, yeah. in a giant tinderbox. Not not Teddy R, but still you, typical. Your typical skillet fam. You got one skillet. <laughs> oh, you're lucky. What are you gonna do? You're like, oh, cool. Hansi's sick. I got something to do. I'll take care of him. All oh, right. Yeah. Better than watching the paint dry. <laughs> right. Oh my god, if you ever so in New York there's a tenement museum. There's not much of it left uh, very in New York style because like land moguls bought part of it and made it into new tenements. <laughs> but there's one room of it left in like a gift tenements. shop. But like those tenements, it's crazy because there's no external windows cuz they they're rooms upon rooms upon rooms. So if you got the inner tenement rooms so it's exterior rooms with a window and then through those through those hallways you have rooms on the inside and then there's just a i feel i know you weren't in a tenement but there was something kind of similar there was just like a draft shaft in the center yes because of how shitty these places were and they would burn to the ground and just trap, even if you had a hot stove going, right. you'd suffocate half the tenement. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so they had to reintroduce the architectural thing that they've had since ancient Egypt, and it was just a shaft. To to get away, or is it to like just to get the exhaust out? 
both it was both like it was a little com- it's a comfort shaft <laughs> and you can get a nice stale shaft breeze oh yes but yeah, yeah, yeah it was just to get some other oxygen in this space and somewhere you could crawl if the outside was burning climb to the inside and climb out your shaft yeah 1918 so go so introduce covid-19 into uh, a facility into residents yeah. like that upon residents like that next to each other next to each other next to each other that and their transport was just roof to roof didn't even take the streets yeah take shaft to roof. and we're in the, the the place you are describing hans was a building that was built in the 2000s oh, this talking- isn't like a 200 two 200 year old building 300 year old building your old apartment yeah mm-hmm. in in the old in uh uh, off Myrtle Avenue. Yeah, and that had a shaft hole in it. So my bedroom had a window to the kitchen. Yeah, so and a, and a grimy shaft. And it was so full of garbage. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> you needed it open in the summer to get air, but that just meant you had mosquitoes. <laughs> right, so it's swamp. You either were gonna die of fucking malaria, or you're gonna sweat to death. Right, Manhattan malaria. Oh, that Manhattan malaria. You're like, I hope it's, it's the Dakota. I hope it's the mosquitoes, because otherwise it's bed bugs. Right. Oh, oh man. How do we get on Teddy Roosevelt right off the go oh skillet. Skillet Skillet mules. Skillet mules. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. Oh, and then I was getting off that with um iron heat. What alright. Alright, Dad. What what's mm-hmm. what's your what temp are you rocking over there? What's your internal what what are you keeping the house at these days? Uh, it's about 70. Yeah, so it's just below comfortable. Same just... here. <laughs> and, like, our bedroom is right by the thermostat, which is right... <laughs> so the thermostat's in the main hallway, but then the where the heater is is right on the wall on the other side of the bed. So that room, when you set it at 70, that room's always 75. Oh, You're nice. always getting a crispy morning. <laughs> everybody's just a little dry oh yeah yeah oh my yeah i had that like you could almost hear like um like two paper bags rubbing together just when i got up my skin was so dry just yeah like, oh, i got dry skin 70 i'm at 72 and i walked by i was like oh, i'm so cold but come on who goes over 70 the roosevelt's That's, i yeah, exactly. What am I? I I don't got heating oil out the wazoo. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because the the house we live in it was built in the 30s. Oh wow! And it has a fireplace in it. Like mm-hmm. it's totally classic. Like just uh, uh, ranch style. Like fireplace in the center has a, a few rooms built off of it. But like there has been these cold days where we leave and I look up and I just see hot steam coming out of that fireplace and i'm just it might as well be do- green with dollar signs i'm like that's my heat running out that fireplace hole as you're as you start um sealing it over <laughs> just fill it with blankets <laughs> just turn it into a fucking fire trap well i we did that when we had an apartment in minneapolis like save money to move to new york we brought on a new roommate but also just an awesome guy so we got a new blood in the room uh, in the apartment. So we brought in our friend Adam. He took my bedroom and I moved out to the 
non-insulated porch in the Minnesota. <laughs> so I just filled all the windows because they weren't even, what do you call them, double pane yeah. windows. So mm-hmm. it had an exterior, maybe that's double pane, I don't know, but it was an exterior window, a gap of about, I don't know, four inches, and then the yeah. interior window. Maybe that's considered double pane. It wasn't insulated, so I just filled all those windows with clothes That's from right, with clothes. a thrift store. <laughs> yeah. It was so cold in there. You could see your breath. And it's like, we're saving $100. <laughs> no, I love that it was. And then we did the classics because we all are Midwestern kids. We're like, well, mom and dad used to seal those windows. So, you know, we went to a Lowe's. Oh, yes. And yeah. like. Got the hairdryer out and sealed all these giant old (laughs) huge windows and then didn't even think that, ah, but Hans sleeps literally on an open windowsill. (laughs) Just wrapped in dirty blankets. With, uh, with, um, yeah, like French doors. The big French doors, yeah. Yeah, I remember there was like a, 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 a house conversation. They're like, Hans. You can't let the police get involved. You have to sleep in the living room for the next month. <laughs> I was like, I'm fine. No one <gasps> trust me. And I die like <laughs> Roosevelt's wife. No, I'm good. And then, of course, like we had just uh, heat old... up a skillet, throw it in that old old bed, the bedding. Oh, oh yeah, like a hot water balloon or bottle, right? Hot water bottle. Like a like the you're an Ingalls Wilder. Just warm skillets. <laughs> just a piece of tongue of iron oh shoot i meant to look this up uh for future episodes somebody was telling me that they were reading like uh, they found like a really great like article on old randy because i think i was talking about our old tv discussions that we talked about last mm-hmm. episode and he's like found old randy stories about celebrities from like the 70s and 80s like Pre me too, pre like, got it. Yeah, sensitivity and guess right, who, it's like guess whose name L.A. Confidential shit. Yes, like the yes. tattler. Right. Guess whose name kept coming up as, as the the hound as the rascal. King of Randy. Yeah. Jaleel. No, no, no. Oh, dude, we're going seventies. I'm going seventies, eighties. Definitely hmm. uh, not off type of their characters. Are we talking actual television actor? Or are we talking about someone who used to throw a couple TDs? No, no, no. We're talking a real deal TV. We're actor. talking a real Hot commit shot. to the. Went too young, but apparently, according to these stories that I haven't read yet, maybe not young enough. <laughs> I don't know. You can't. I'm, I'm in bated breath. Michael Landon. Oh shit. Mr. Ingalls Wilder himself. That's all I could think about. Highway to heaven? But I got, I had a, every, when he gets stern on that show, always unsettled me. Too stern with his daughters. Like he was going to hit them, or he did. And he's got that, like, that salt and pepper mane. Like, (laughs) oh yeah, no. That's what, yeah. Alexander (laughs) the Great looked like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Like just that mean and just stern. It was like men and women alike. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, you get a there's a Bob Crane situation with him. Maybe not as depraved, but you're like he'd have a lot of he had a lot of disappointed Midwestern fans. I'm sure that was like, D 
Danny Ingalls. And he's like, let me touch sure. your butt. You know, like, or whatever. Oh, whisper. What? But if you think about it, like, you cultivate that image. Yeah. And then you think about, like, L.A. just as an entity, you get, it's a magnet for people. People from the Midwest. So you go and you're like, it's, it's the dad. He's the proto, like, good dad. So people flock to him, and then he's like, yeah, look <laughs> at it. Just look at it. Uh, it like, wait, what? I'm going to spank you. Ooh, all right. All right, it came up. It came up. Michael Landon, America's favorite pa, had a truly troubled life. Ooh. It's fine. Oh, you know, he was a bonanza guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He oh, was. I forget. He was, because he was the hunk on bonanza. He was the Bonanza hunk. Uh, you know, he had a rough <laughs> childhood. Bonanza hunk. Did he get Bonanza hunked himself? Michael Landon saved his mother, and his mother stressed him to the point of wetting the bed. I mean, he was a serial killer. He was the uh, the Night Landon. Let's see. The Night Landon. He played a werewolf, too. He was a famous teen werewolf before Teen Wolf. Bummer. This is I mean, uh, let's see. The Night <laughs> Fans of well, let me just read this paragraph. Fans of Little House got to see a reliable, faithful patriarch in Charles Charles Ingalls. Michael Landon would himself have a rocky family life for various reasons. In total, he was married three times, and across those three marriages, had nine children. Ultimately, though, he did show a lot of compassion for his family members which came to him in various ways, not always biologically. For example, he established a blended family. Okay, that's good. Ooh, scandal. All right, all right. None of this is to completely paint Michael Landon as a secret villain. Ooh, I love that secret villain. I do too. Michael Landon, secret villain. From Bonanza Hunk to secret villain. Um, (laughs) He had his faults, wonderful qualities. Yeah, that's fair. You don't want to... Melissa Gilbert held him in high regard. Uh, as a kid, I didn't know he sipped vodka from his coffee mug, but I'm sure he's one reason why. As a young adult, I almost picked men. I always picked men who smelt like alcohol. Ooh, um, he had affairs. He gives a shit. Oh, he was. He learned. He he uh, had a um, intimate relationship with Johnny Carson and learned karate from Chuck Norris. That's Hollywood, baby. There you go. That's all you need to know. Of course he partied. He was a wild land. Learned karate from Chuck Norris. He had a single called Give Me a Little Kiss, Will Ya, Huh? Uh, Oh, there's a Will Ya, Huh? Give Me a Little Kiss, also known as Will Ya, Huh? And that was a 1957 single. See, this is like, come on. He, I mean... We don't need to keep getting into it because I'm just scanning. But let's just say that's the most Hollywood thing I've ever heard. That's that. You know what that reminds me of? Like, um, like, uh, uh, what's his name? Chuck Barris, where you're like, oh, yeah, he just hosted a gong show. Yeah. Like, no, that dude produced all these shows you had no idea mm-hmm. he was part of. He wrote like Palisades Park, you know, like all these guys like back in the day, they kind of had their like, had to do everything. Their hands and yeah, they had they had their hands in a little bit of everything. It's amazing what well, some it's, of these it, guys do. It's funny that you mentioned that because Ash and I just watched um, 
the uh, that Eddie Murphy uh, Dolomite movie. Oh yeah, sure. Which is excellent. But then also what I found out, speaking of just someone who's so talented, there's that Eddie Murphy also had that song in the 80s, Party All the Time, which was a hit. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize the only reason he cut that album is because he made a bet with Richard Pryor. That he couldn't cut an album or something? Richard Pryor was like, Richard Pryor was like, I guess they were hanging out. And basically the, the story goes, Richard Pryor was like, you can't sing, motherfucker. So Eddie Murphy not only remembered that, sat not o- continued being Eddie Murphy from the early to mid '80s. Sat down, recorded that song, recorded this album just for that. Not because Eddie Murphy was like, "I want to be a pop star," because right. the liner notes was basically, uh, "Richard, you bet me a million dollars, like I couldn't sing." Like, look at this motherfucker. Like, basically, up. that was the whole point. And it was like a, t- a top chart. Like, it was like oh, a yeah. number one single. Didn't, like, wasn't it produced or wasn't it, um, like, didn't Michael Jackson produce it or something? Yeah, like, that's in, I mean. like. But he's just of that same ilk of just, like, cool, I can sing. I can do dance, it Dance, I can write. What do you need? What do you need I mean, me to do? When you got the keys to the kingdom, it's it's interesting, like, you know, why not? Why not? Yeah. Like, it's good to it's good to have enough no uh, wherewithal, like when you're cutting an album and somebody, like, hopefully you have people around you like, no, 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 you can't sing. It's a good yeah. song. And you got the ability you to wrote a good song. this dude and we can make that yeah. a top hit or something. Like, didn't, didn't Bill, Bill Stewart? What? Bruce Willis? Didn't he have an album? Or Oh, yeah. He's like single? Return of the Grunk or something. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, got... Yeah. Like that dude. It's like Chud and the Boys or something. He uh, he got um, he got masked or whatever. He refused to put on a mask in a store. He was buying that just this past week. Yeah, yeah, he was buying like prescription medication. Like, all right, Bruce. If you were it, okay, if you're gonna buy medicine, wear a fucking mask. Or just, like if you're at a the a Pinkberry. Like, it's not any better, but you're in the process of like buying medicine, so yeah. you're probably around people who are ill, just for everybody's. And you're Bruce Willis, for fuck's sake. I get my pills delivered. I get free delivery. Anybody out there gets free and delivery. And you wouldn't die hard. Yeah, any of them. I wish. I wish they made a big enough scene, like like, and somebody was around like the like they were around the my pillow guy or something because I'd like to see what the mm-hmm. I want to expose what those pills are for if it was like a foot cream or something like did you see oh, yeah. the um the Mike Lindell my pillow got a yeah. had a face to face with the president he's still uh he's still tried and true my pillow still stick it why not he's trying to smother what, what do you smother my, my is, what do you got to lose my pillow you got my pillow you're going to be just do it go for it yeah. Did you see this story, though? Like, as he was waiting outside the Oval, you know, they have, like, the little courtyard there. Somebody mm-hmm. with, like, a telescope, telescopic lens took a photo of his, he, it's like, exposed his poker hand. His right, brief. his, like, notes or papers and or whatever. One, one of the bullet points was just, um, military coup, question mark? God. It's like I... a bad set list. I... <laughs> It's like if you stumble on like a bad stand-up set list, you're like, "This is amazing." Also, what? 
why do you think so rumor has it or inside information has it mm-hmm. same thing rumor has it people that on the inside people on the inside the rats fleeing the ship said that when trump said let's march to the capitol and then went to the white house and he mm-hmm. was watching the events unfold and he was like yes and then they started getting like detailed close-ups and he was like no they're 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 freaks like he was embarrassed <laughs> he they say he was like um these are the he these wanted- are the guys he's like not these guys like almost like hey Pull the pawns back and let's get some right. let's get some rooks right. and stuff in there. As if Gerard Butler and the rest of the three hundred right. were just like ten feet behind right. exactly. the fucking ketoed out bison dickhead. Yes. So apparently, but so why do you think he tolerates my pillow guy still? Because he's ju- he wears that silky blue shirt, gold cross, always conveniently on the outside. Last time he spoke. Donald Trump expected just to come out and say, I'm donating this much money for the, it was like the ventilator efforts, moving my factory, making it available to make masks or something from pillows. And then he was like, Mm -hmm. and the Lord saith, you know, let there be death, you know, like an insane thing. And Trump's like, I don't know he's going to say that. But like, why tolerate fool? Why is is he pissed off that these guys are repping him? (sighs) Yet he's going to have because, a one-on-one in the last days of his presidency with Lindell. I think it's because that has been how he has operated business. Like, think about where he comes from. Fucking New York City, fucking real estate. Yeah. Nothing but fucking yutzes and stooges. Dudes that are more powerful than you with a fucking shit ton more money. But you're you're turning shit to gold. Right. Like, I think that's just how he operates. And I think that guy, because that guy is a shit ton of money. That guy is rich as shit. Oh, yeah. And and I think that Trump respects that he is rich. So it's the money. And he also likes, he also likes a good, uh, someone to kiss his skillet, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And he is like, like, he needs a boost right now. So if this guy shows up. He's going to hear his bits. He's going to let him riff, pitch for a little bit. Like, sure. Why, and yeah. then he's going to shut him down and tell him some bullshit and send him on his way. Like, get him to cut a check for something. Sure. Sure. That's a good point. Oh, yeah, man. He Wasn't it something like uh, his uh, campaign raised something like $259 million since they the are... end of the election and then spent $10 million in, like, their court well, fees? And that's the crazy thing is like he's we have Wednesday he is gone yeah not from the existence or but he they have he has a war chest he is not going anywhere for a long fucking time right no no like of course he not. has the influence he's got the money and there are fucking fifty million people in this country. That still are like, I'd like to hear what he has to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they can't right now. And, they, and But also, again, that makes him... I, as soon as that started, I was just like, why? Why take I, him I off? Get, I get why. Yeah. Because this bat, like, shit happens. But Twitter, you still got the fucking shot. You still got fucking Ayatollah Khomeini. Putin. You still have Putin. You still have people. Yeah. So you can't 
beat your drum of like it's he's spreading insurgent shit. There are people on there who are actively calling for straight up murder on your service. You're right. But you don't care because it doesn't sell fucking newspapers and they're not fucking famous. Yeah. So for you to shut him down, like, like I, yes, I understand it, but it's like you just made him, you just gave him so much more shit. Gave him the juice, yeah. I and will... now he's back. You gave it back to him too. Oh yeah, he's back on Twitter now. So like, oh, what is the fuck? he? Yeah, that's what I heard like yesterday. They were like, okay, you can come back now. Oh, because I was gonna say I for could all be wrong. of that, like, I'm definitely not. Uh painting things with a black or white brush there because while that dude like they just released new footage of the Capitol. did you see that there was actually a guy who kind of guy from the washington post who was like this is fucking nuts put on a maga hat and had a camera and he was in the middle of it so like all that those still pictures uh, a video camera all those still pictures you see of like the dude sitting in mike pence's chair and He's down yeah. there, finally got released. It's all captured first person on his camera. And you're like, oh shit, like these guys are like rifling through all the desks and they've got their phones and they're rifling through like all these documents and like, yeah. get all the information, get all the information. This is a, what do they call it? This is a PR war, PR war. And they're like, get that information there. And then one idiot's like, Here, here's Ted Cruz's desk. What is that? That says he's going to oppose Arizona. I knew he was a traitor. And then somebody goes, no, that's what we want him to do. He goes, oh, yeah, well, I'm just so worked up. And it's like, <laughs> oh, but like all that shit of them rifling through it. And they're like, they're literally I wrote this down because I was like, look, a cop got bludgeoned to death with a fucking fire extinguisher. It's nuts. Like, so yeah. I don't want to be in their position at all. But when no. they're in the middle, there is literally a, a couple Capitol Police officers in there. Just standing there, not not with their hands, you know, like, because they're fucking surrounded by 100,000 people. Sure. But there's only, like, 30 people on the actual floor, or not even, probably 15 people on the actual floor in the, the Senate chamber, right? The other guys, mm-hmm. you hear them shouting from up top, like, how you get down there? And then somebody goes, I took the stairs. But anyways, so there's this cop down there, and he's literally like, Guys, this is a sacred place. I'm going to give you like five minutes. And I'm like, wow, this is fucking bizarre. So he's just totally like, I'm sure on the microphone, they're just like, don't fucking draw like these. Don't draw your weapons. Like, just fucking let them let reinforcements come and just like, you know, stand your ground or whatever you got to do. It's really bizarre but like um why was i getting on that capitol police oh so not play so do i think that's like crazy fucked up and they're all literally in there they're like we just want to they're talking to the cop like you know the way like a drunk fucking guy on cops is like i'm on your side i love cops i'm glad you're here because i want to tell you my story and they're like hey we're the god blesses you because we love that you're letting us be here. And we know it's sacred. That's why we're trying to be, be, yeah. trying to, we're being, we're being respectful. You know what I mean? But like, um, so many times they're like, and by, besides, you're letting us do our duty. And so many times this is said, like, and Donald Trump wants us to be here. And you're just like, right. Ooh, that's pretty incriminating. You know what I mean? It's on them. 
They can hear whatever sure, they want course. to hear. Donald Trump doesn't say go into the Capitol and fucking tear it down. No, but fucking you lit the fire, and I, I think that's true. And there, but 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 for all of this, what is where do you the tech companies just got too fucking big? Like for them to oh, be no. able to go like because that was pretty easy for Twitter, in my opinion, whether they gave mm-hmm. him juice or not, right off the bat. He had this fuse going because this dynamite or they could just take their thumb, lick it and go, put that shit out. And they did. Yep. And it was pretty quick. And I will say for me, who fucking hates Trump and all the shit and follows that stuff too close and waking up to 100 tweets that just make me mad and have gotten mm-hmm. me into a rhythm yeah. where I don't feel like myself unless I'm making myself mad. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, you, you're so into I felt that, yeah. like. Like, that dimension. Why am I not outraged? And uh, like, and I've got to be at a point like we're like, holy shit! Like, he's not. I know he's dominating, but like in the little snippets where he runs the show, where he yeah. has the baton, he hasn't had that for a while. And he could have it. Like mm-hmm. that dude could be on sure. the networks twenty four hours a day if he wanted to be pre- at his press conference. He can fucking filibuster the country sure. if he wants. But that being said roundabout way of like i don't know if it's good that twitter and facebook can just like they're the most powerful people that that to me is the most interesting thing that will happen after this transition is i think they all showed their ass and they showed that they are extremely biased and despite what they can say i forget what it's called it's like resolution 360 or something 203 the one where they get to they get to cover their asses by saying like oh someone said something crazy on our platform you can't sue us yeah yeah but they want that to not exist for other like platforms and things like i just i feel like people are now like oh yeah you know what i don't need you and the fact that they're burying uh, platforms like parlor yeah like i don't have no use for it but like basically they all just shook hands and went get rid of it because it's not ours oh it's definitely a monopoly but it's what's interesting is you have like i mean their monopolies that that is the definition and i heard somebody say it interestingly by the way i don't even feel like i have to justify this i think we all know how i feel about the people they're silencing i think they're pieces of shit but, yeah, of course. But silencing is a weird thing. Um, yes. Yeah, no, exactly. Weird is an understatement. But somebody said this interesting and interestingly is they're like, if you want to think about them as monopolies or if you're having trouble thinking about it, I want you to tell me in the last 10 years, maybe this have five years, name one new successful search engine. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, mm-hmm. name one successful online, one new After successful Google. online um, uh, retail platform. Okay. Yeah. Uh, name one successful social one, media, one thing. new successful social media company. It's like they don't exist because they control that 95%. isn't owned by fucking Facebook. Right. Well, yeah. You could say that. Instagram. They own that. Yeah, they bought that. No, totally. And that is just the line in the sand is. What will be interesting is the conversation that happens because a lot of people, just normal people, regular people, like 
that to them is the internet. You use Google, you use Facebook, you use Instagram, right. you use Amazon. But if you go, I, you know what? I don't actually like what you do or what you represent. Like it's it's hard, but you can take two steps back and actually use the internet. Right. If you look at it, they have covered the entrance to what is the internet. They've masked all the doorways in. You can still get it. They haven't barred you from entering or sure. using it. But they've just made it too easy to use Google, to use Gmail. Right. To use Amazon. To use this. So they're like, cool, just use us. And like that's how they So they have control. They don't. You just need to take the step of like, why do you use this thing to connect with your friends? Cool. Maybe we should find another way to connect. Yeah. On a different platform. Like, unfortunately, like, it's your Apple phone, so maybe you need a different phone, you know, like. Yeah, but that'll. It's hard, but it's getting people to think like that. Like, that's why I think they fucked up. Because they went, okay, cool. We're too afraid to lose advertising. Right. Uh, shut him up so we keep making money. And now people are like, but you you shouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah, it's too. Love him, hate him, much. whatever. Like. Yeah. That's the president of the United States. He's a fucking looney tune. But still, that you like, oh, cool. You did that to him? Like, what are you doing to me? Right, right. What can you do to anybody? Just shut it off? Like, you can shut off. We Most of the people happen to be on the same, like, political spectrum as them. But what happens when we're not? What happens when that shifts and you're stuck where you are because that's what you believe? And all of a sudden, the sea changes and they just follow fucking money in the fucking paycheck, right. and they shut your shit off. Sure. They shut the things you want to connect with off. Yeah, it's, I mean, when you hear people like Angela Merkel, like, uh, who's not a Donald Trump fan? Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. No. Who's like, mm, I don't like that. Like, I don't like that. And we're talking about a country with a pretty rabid history of propaganda you know what i mean i don't know it's pretty fucked up i will say it's been nice there's there's too many there's too much potential ramifications or or the the ball's already rolled it's begun rolling um so while right now it feels like at least for me it feels feels like that old orange monkey's off my back um Mm -hmm. Uh, the 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 end result can't can't be good whatsoever. And I wanted to go back his, historically. If you think about yeah. it, I like that idea. It like yeah, we should all just take other avenues. Mm-mm, no fucking way. That's like when all the too hard. the energy moguls and all these robber mm-hmm. barons like everybody's like yeah, but you can just you know let's just get our oil from this other guy. You just got to pay double, and everybody's like, and you got to kind of work to get it. Everybody's like. Yeah. Oh no, totally. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so, as long as we can yeah. keep that spark alive, that's what's important. Is right. the oh, the yeah, idea yeah. that you can cuz I get it. I'm lazy, you're lazy. We're all fucking lazy. There's going to be people who are sure. like, "Cool, I'm going off the grid. You can you can get a stripped down phone that has none of that shit." Cricket? Cuz all <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just has nothing and it's just to yeah. send text and then you shut it off and put it in your faraday cage so they yeah. can not fucking follow your ass and turn uh, you into a credit score i will say what's interesting about that about your chickens coming home to roost that 203 or whatever like all of these um safe safeties they have all these things that are set in play 
we're set up by the conservative Republican Party that's like, it's free enterprise, yeah. don't fuck with it. This is capitalism, yeah. let them grow. And now they're like, I... you let that monkey, you let them, yeah. to get back to a bad analogy. It, it is sort of like the emperor has a new clothes moment because you're like, okay, you got fucking Twitter, what's his name, Jeff, whatever. The yeah. guy with the big beard, cool hippie looking guy with the beard, sure. Jeff Bezos. These guys, you're like, what do you actually do? Jack something. Like, what is Twitter act? Jack Dorsey. Yeah. What do you actually do? You have, you coded a thing that's just connecting people to talk. Mm -hmm. It's just this thin, it's not even a thing. It's not even like the oil barons. It's like, you don't even control oil. Right. It's data. Like, if you could wake up tomorrow and you just forgot about Twitter, you would, you could continue your day fine. But if, like, you you don't control, like, a solid thing, like, we have, we feel like we're dependent on it, but we don't actually need it. Same with Facebook. If Facebook went away, you'd be like, ah, shoot. I, I had a bunch of pictures on there that I kind of liked. Right. That could, will destroy me in 30 years. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> I think you could literally, if there was some type of way to measure, I don't know, um, like a physical seismic activity. I mm -hmm. think if you put those measurements globally and you just, Facebook just went away tomorrow, right? Yeah. I think you would feel this monstrous surge of danger, whatever that means, like a rumbling. Yeah, of course. For about a week. And then think I about think when you... that would lift yeah. so light as a feather. Like even as you mentioned, like Twitter going away, I think within a few days of people re literally realizing it, that it's not a thing, that they don't need it, mm -hmm. that there's other yeah. forms of just communication in a digital fashion. Like, I literally sure. think you would almost feel like the world taking off a heavy jacket in the well, summer. Think about when you if you were to leave your house without your phone. Oh, I've done and it. And you can't turn back and get your phone and it. It weighs so heavy on you that you don't have your phone. It's crazy. But after you reconcile, okay, I need my phone to connect with my family to make sure my wife and my kid are okay. But as long as I know they're okay and I'm okay, like, you fall back on, like, when, the, when was the first time you had a fucking cell phone? In your 20s? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you fall back on, like, I don't actually need it. You don't, and like you said, it is a hard thing, but it is a weight, and it oh, goes yeah. away, and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's, um, but also, we'll soon be putting our podcast strictly out on glass, so. Oh, yes. <laughs> you won't be able to download it. You'll have to write you us. You have to read it. In calligraphy. Pam pamphlets. <laughs> read it. P Pamphlicast. Um, Just look under your... Uh, every week, just check your windshield wiper. Oh, Hans, a case will drop it off. Uh, I did say last week, I, be, I think because we were talking about old TV, there is a definite, and I have, I recognize that feeling of panic when you forget your mm -hmm. phone. It's re very real. It's not real, but the emotion is very yeah. real, and that's fucked up. I so much miss the feeling of, and I didn't even, I didn't even grow through it in adulthood. The feeling of the tethered phone at home yeah. leaving and whether you got – sometimes when you were in trouble, that was the only time you got a gut feeling. You're like, 
Ooh, I think I'm in trouble. I think there's a bad phone I, call from a teacher yeah. on there, but it didn't matter. Then he had to go away or something. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing could touch you. The first time that went away, caller ID. I'm saying, I'm I'm going back. People go back to the start of the internet, Appleness, going caller ID. Who's the son of caller a bitch ID, that started yeah. like that? That's the first way they started tracing you. That right, because then you go like, but then you get into the mental weirdness of A, you are screening your call because you're looking and you're like, oh, this is someone I, like, yes, this is a call I want. Or oh. if you are the caller and they don't pick up, you're like, why is Hansi ducking me? Yeah. Why is Hansi ducking me? Right. I showed up on his caller ID. He should pick it up right away. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. he didn't pick it up right away. You screening me, Hans? You screening me? I'm going to go buy his house and put a nasty pamphlet under that door. <laughs> Yeah, that's the first time of, like, expectational communication. I I agree. You go back to the, you pick it up, and it's just that roll of the dice. You, could be good, could be bad, who knows? Especially when you're expecting a bad call, and you're like, everybody in the house, you're like, don't, don't pick it up! No! <laughs> For sure. I mean, there's, there's something, there's definitely something to that. Or uh, that nostalgic of, like, when you're expecting, like, a call oh, from yeah. a a girl sure. you're like dude pick it up i get to pick it up because you <laughs> don't want you don't want your your dumb brother or your foolish old man to pick it up right right you're gonna spoil it for me van hill fart factory just kidding <laughs> <through you guys. laughs> domino's pizza <laughs> <laughs> not even funny <laughs> oh man yeah so so nah he's taking a dump <laughs> I'm not taking a dump. Oh man, he's grounded. Click. Um, <laughs> yeah. So now that everybody who doesn't give a shit got to hear us wax on about that, I will say you should watch that uh, that Washington Post footage because it's it's messed up. At least nobody gets hurt, but it's it's kind of comical. These boobs. Yeah. There is something to be said. I I don't want to diminish. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. You know why, Casey? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, do you want to talk about, have you watched, because we were just talking about old school in this conversation when Ash and I were watching that new Netflix thing, The Night Stalker. Oh, yes. Uh, Wait, I'm not um, through it entirely yet. Not that I'm, I know how it ends. (laughs) Sorry. No, no, it was just, so there's this awesome new show on Netflix, The uh, Night Stalker, about Richard Ramirez. Mm -hmm. It's set out, like. It's I think it's it's really well done. I like how it's set up. I like how you follow the cops until they, you know, kind of get on the case and, you know, follow Richard Ramirez to a point. Because there's a lot of stuff I didn't know. And there's a lot of stuff they don't cover that being like a weird true crime nerd. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're like, sure. oh, they don't talk about his uncle. They don't talk about all the fucked up shit. They just it's a very straightforward like, here are the cops. Here's the case that is a. As it unfolds, and here is how they came to this conclusion. I so it's really well, um, well done. And Ash and I were talking just about the like hitchhiking because they cover the Hillside oh, Strangler. Yes, yeah. And a lot of the Hillside Strangler murders were just young women that were just hitching. Mm-hmm. So we were just talking about like that culture, and Ashley's uncle was like a self-made dude had like would drive lived out out east had a nice car and he 
made a point. If he was by himself, he would always pick up hitchhikers. Okay. We were just talking about how interesting that was, and I started laughing because I was like, that was the original podcast. Ah, let me download a hitchhiker. Right, you just stop, and you pick someone up, and you just shoot the shit, because what are you, you sick of listening to Yakety Yak on the radio, the same old shit? You think he's Just pick up a stranger, just talk, just talk, hey, where are you from? You get you get all those juicy details about someone's life, sure. and then you drop them off in Huron, and yeah. head on your way. Because they probably disclose a lot more, maybe a fake name, but they'll probably tell you Tell you a lot more than they would tell somebody they know, right? Or would ever see again. Because we were just talking about how it, like, carried on. Like, the uh, uh, Cal, who I used to work with, who owned Rye and was the chef. Like, when he was in his late teens, early 20s, he hitched around the West West Coast. And that was the mid-90s. Yeah, man. And I was like, (laughs) like, because for me, because there's no hitching in fucking South Dakota. Like, I was like, oh, Hitching stopped in the 70s when Serial Killer showed up. The end. I go by Hitchers. Uh, yeah, out, there's still, there's Hitchers down the, Out on the island I work on. Gotcha. Um, but it's only people, like, it's such a small community that people are hitching that I recognize, but like not in, like, a friend circle. They're hitching literally to get, like, four miles yeah. down the road. And that's what we talked about. We, like, it had to be, like, the super highways and like expressways that killed hitching sure. because it was like route 66 used to go through hundreds of small towns. Mm-hmm. So it sense. would make more sense. Like you're stopping in a small town, you're at a stop sign, bus stop, you pick someone up. Like nobody's hitching along the like, you know, <laughs> like five lane I 80. So, <laughs> Hey, stop. Hey, can I get in? So let me ask you this. The odds of being the hitcher, well, that's not fair. Nowadays, because hitchhiking is so unlikely. I feel like it's truck stop culture now. Yeah, oh, yeah. But like a classic hitch. If you, Casey, are doing a classic hitch. Sticking the thumb? Thumb out. Are you nervous when that car stops? Are you nervous doing a hitch? Or are you ready to roll? You're going to do it. I don't know. It's a good question. I ever actually thought about it like a proper... Hitch? Me? Uh, a little. I guess I'm apprehensive, sort of. Like, what about, uh, um, <clears throat> what about, like, your bucket list? You're like, I'm gonna do a hitch. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna conquer my fears. I'm gonna do it. You could, you could maybe manage, like, hey, where, where and it's a which way you heading? West. Yeah. I'll follow you west. That's my thing. I'm trying to gauge now, <clears throat> because one thing... <clears throat> It's like, we don't live too far off of it, is the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, which, to me, is so mystifying and magical sounding. Like, yep. it's very, like, Kerouac hitching across the country. Big time. And I'm trying to decide if walking that trail is more frightening to me or hitching would be more frightening to me. You're frightened by walking the Appalachian Trail? I don't know, but you just asked the hitching, and I was trying to think of another equivalent of long distance. I think the hitch is scarier. I think you're the, in the hitch vehicle. is rough. And I know we've only heard the the, the nasty stories like the, um, who's that big dude from Mindhunter that he, like, creates a relate? He picked up hitchers. Oh, the big, um, the big series, uh, Ed something. 
uh, not Ed Keen, but um, a Kemper. Ed, Ed Kemper. Kemper, yeah. So you hear those stories, like generally, are like Dahmer picking up that hitchhiker and or jogger and hitting him over the head with a weight. I, I know that's a very small percentage. Maybe I, the hitch is rough. The Appalachian Trail. You know what? That's probably pretty rough because it's not as it's not a well weathered path. And I've spent no. literally only one half night in Appalachia and uh, not a great experience. Not a great experience. No, I don't know if we talked about it. Ash sent me this article. And it's an article from about 10 years ago. And it's this guy. He wrote it for Outdoor Magazine. And it was about his time on the Appalachian Trail. But it also crossed with this guy who uh, and it ended up murdering this couple. Because mm-hmm. the way the trail is set up, like in the deepest, darkest parts, they have little huts. Yeah. Where you show up and you just throw your bag and it's like a like a bench made out of wood. Sure. The small domicile. And a lot of them have like notebooks. So right. on the trail you like, uh, hey, you know, hots in case, staying tonight. The weather was rough. See you later. And you start to – and that's where the article started was this guy – started to pick up on the characters on the trail and some of them he would catch up to Mm. some of them he would read about and it's like oh wow this guy and this gal sure are trucking like i wish i could go as far as them and then it was he ended up being in the same sphere he never met these two people but they were on the same like proto internet message board of just like leaving messages you know like you know john and tina here Oh, yeah, we just stayed the night because the weather was bad. So he starts to build this community. And then, and this is well after the fact, he writes the article and they ended up just meeting this fucking random dude at this hut who, as he was going, he was reading about like, hey, this creepy guy was just fucking sitting here. He got real aggressive all of a sudden. And then he went to bed. So we all kind of went to bed with one eye open. (laughs) Uh, and the most chilling part for me was in the article, they describe it because the parts of the Appalachian Trail will dip into a town. So it's kind of like you just walk off of a highway onto the trail. Yeah. And as he was writing the article, the first sort of uh, view of this guy that the report he has is this woman who is like cleaning up shit on the side of a highway and she just saw this guy trucking just like dirty clothes walking on the trail to go to the Appalachian Trail and her first thought was like man he's really walking with this weird purpose and then they made eye contact and she was like yeah he was just fucking creepy don't like that yeah and as he just trucks into the woods she was like oh he's going on the trail he doesn't have shit right sure so it was like this fucking guy just went lost it and just went nope this is where I go and just walked the trail until he he met all these people and met these two people. They killed him. The cops caught him. It's just this fucking chilling thing. And it's just caught in this little bubble. And it's just that visual of this guy who is just like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm going to the woods and never coming back. Like, it's just so like, Ugh! Yeah, because you see, because apparently if you're legitimately going to walk the trail, they also say, like, you can pay people that'll do like trail dumps for you because you can't carry all your shit so if you're just walking hitting that trail jean shorts and 
you know, Avia shoes, you're uh, <laughs> you're not going to get far. I got a theory on that for all you going to watch the Night Stalker watching. It's not a spoiler. I got a theory. So at these different scenes, Richard Ramirez, Night Stalker scenes, mm-hmm. they start yeah. linking these abductions and these murders with a very specific shoe print. And I think they track it down. It's an Avia size 11 and a half. Yeah. Black. I, black, yep. Only one sold in LA. I think they were planting some of those shoe prints. Not that the dude didn't do it, but I think they they wanted to like concretely link some of these cases to get more and more momentum and support to finding this guy. Because every gotcha. you'd be like, holy shit, there's a shoe print on the alarm clock now. Holy shit, there's a shoe so print. Shoe print on there's face. two shoe prints on the face. I mean, that's obvious, right? But then, yeah. like, they're like, you were not going to believe it. And I, I said it to Meg a couple times, like, even before they said it, I was like, shoe prints. It's like, freaking two shoe prints right here. Perfect in, like, vacuum dust. And mm-hmm. I, I kept thinking that. I was like, you know what? There's a lot of, uh, this guy beat the shit out of me, the hardest detective on the planet, Salerno. Yeah. He heard oh, me talking. Yeah. He would pistol whip <laughs> me harder than Ray Liotta because I'm like, I'm, what I'm thinking about is the Zodiac case, right? Like these guys get a yeah. lot of juice from becoming the fucking, and they talk about it, the bravado, the chutzpah, the, the ego of these detectives. Well, and also the chip because they're LA County right. and not LAPD. Sure. So they get shit on by the quote unquote city cops for being less than them. Right. Well, so think about this. Here's an example. Like, so this guy, Salerno, he becomes the top dog because he solves the Hillside Strangler case in quite a gen- in quite genius fashion and, and hard detective work. And then there's kind of nothing. And all of a sudden this huge case kind of hits his desk again, right? And it keeps getting more like this might. And then he gets that partner and they're kind of starting mm-hmm. to link things together. And it's like, I'm going to fucking do it again, buddy. And my only frame of reference is the guy that was on the Zodiac murder who became famous for that. The Zodiac case who they they created Dirty Harry after and everything. After that Zodiac case went cold and went away for a while, a letter popped up like a decade later. And they're like, the Zodiac's back. But what happened is they ended up tracing it back to that detective who created the letter and the code and released it to the papers because he wanted to be back in the spotlight. Shut up. No, that's true. That's 100% true. And he had to resign and get forced out and he was shamed and everything. So it's like, you got to have that juice. No, it's true. Like, you watch that, like, that's definitely a possibility because that's part of the, what what's cool is they fold in, like, the media footage and they review some of the, interview some of the reporters. So it's like, yeah, that dude was the dude. The dude. Detective. Like, fucking gumshoe Charlie. Yeah, Salerno. Um, uh, and also much... we know how they just got to put those fucking bodies in the black. Yep. Oh, he's a fucking yutz. Yeah. And once you get him, like, all ego, cool, serial killer. He's going to admit to fucking everything. Oh, it's like that documentary about that serial killer. You're on, did you see this? This is fucked up if you haven't seen it. The it's one on in Netflix. Texas? The guy in Texas who all of a sudden that was like. simp? 
Yeah, I murdered 250 oh, people. And so all these Carol? all these cops were like from all and he said it like all over the country and all these cops were yeah. like I'm going to fucking get all these cases off my desk now. That's right cuz he was just a, a fucking county sheriff. Was it Carol? Is his last last name I forget. I forget, but he was selling but this just guy. A dirtbag that looked up to that sheriff as a father figure and oh. just got that's tr- right because he took him to fucking Ohio, Iowa, and just he was like, Yeah, we used to just were drug addicts and would fucking boost cars on the highway and kill people. So, right. like, did you kill this person? And he went, Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. And they're like, Well, what's the evidence you know about it? And like, how can how can we know it's you? It's not like you knew the address was 1415 Lando Drive, and it was a I think it was Lando, 22. 1450. And it was the 22 I had, yeah. Like, well, stamped, solved. God, that's right, because he admitted to like 150 a ton, murders. A ton. And the sad thing about it is now all these cops who were like, oh, man, I got those cases off my, you know, I got my case bonus or whatever the fuck they get. They're like, he probably still did it. Like, they're like, well, you know that that's not him now. It's conclusively evident. And they're like, yeah, but red tape to open a bag. They just don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. I was watching a show with Meg yesterday called The Murder Tapes. Of course I Mm -hmm. was. Just one of these true crime forensic shows. But what they do is they fold in actual body cam, all this footage, all the the interview footage, right? And this this poor young girl gets murdered. She's found like on the side of a interstate. Like she shouldn't have been found. Like you know, it was a seventy five mile an hour mm. zone or whatever. Anyway, somebody in a like in a truck spots her because they're so high up. Um. Uh, what was I gonna remember? Oh, oh. So they're like finally idea. They're it's one of those cases where they're basically like, you don't solve these. This is a random side of the highway like this is going to be tough and it turns out when they trace him she's got a history with a guy a drug history with a guy who just got out of prison last week who was in prison or jail in jail for domestic abuse against this woman right so they bring Mm -hmm. in and they have the interview with him and this fucking guy i was like this guy is the luckiest motherfucker on the planet because these cops actually felt like fucking working a case because they clear him. I was like, they yeah. didn't have to clear this fucking guy. Like this guy, no, this guy him. didn't have any alibi where he was going to be. He lived in a hotel. He was a drug addict. Nobody could place him in oh, any place. You know what I mean? Just and, fucking, he looks like a ham steak to these guys. Oh, for sure. I was like, oh my God, this guy. Is, oh, and when they were like, well, we want to, you know, check your arms because it was a brutal stabbing. And generally, when that happens, there's a struggle, there's blood, the knife slips, you get cut yourself. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have any yeah. wounds, but they're like, well, let us take some pictures of your hands and your arms. Just reverence is like, no fucking way. He's like, not even my family takes pictures of me. So I was like, my this arms. guy's even putting up a fucking fight. I was <laughs> Without like, his arms, oh, our this pictures. Guy has no idea the string they got hit. The key is fucking hanging by a thread. But yeah, man. Casey, have you ever heard of the show Daddy O? No. So are you a fan of Michael Chiklis? Yes. And NBC sitcoms? 
Yes. So based on, I was like, Grandpa goes to Washington. You'll all have to go back and listen to the last episode. I was like, what other shows are out there that I don't remember, didn't know about, mm. didn't have a long enough life to be beautiful? So I found a list of all NBC programming and just kind of started clicking through it. There's a show called Daddy-O where Michael Chiklis of Kamish fame stars mm-hmm. as Chris Woods, a former, these are so beautiful. I haven't even read this this far. A former <laughs> restaurant supply salesman who decides oh, to yes. become a stay at home dad to his and his wife, Linda's played by, um, played by, uh, da, 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 Anita Barone. I don't know who that is. Sorry. Um, Wife Linda's four children, Shannon, Max, Jakes, and Emily, to accommodate his wife's demanding career as a lawyer. Chris loves his new role, but is annoyed by Linda's well-meaning friends, Holly, Susie Nakamura, and Barb, Amy Wilson, who constantly interfere with Chris's parenting. Chris is also forced to defend his new role to his best friend, Rob, Kevin Crowley, and his new neighbor, Bobick. A former Marine. A former Marine. Shut up. That was just my best friend's dad. That's the synopsis. Daddy-O. I mean, how fucking cool is that shit? Daddy-O. There was a couple I was just clicking on. I was like, Casey, I found the show you were yearning for. It was just called Ferris Bueller. Um, Yes. Ferris Bueller. It aired from... Uh, it was aired in 1990. It aired from Monday to a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it's canceled within its first season. Um, I don't know if it had a different synopsis or anything. Let's see if there's anybody hot in the cast. Uh, Charlie Schlatter, Brandon Douglas. Nope, it's pretty uh, pretty uh, pretty skimpy cast. <laughs> Online, it wasn't. Oh no. Wow, it, it, it has a it has a little bit more of a following. But um Alright, so I saw Ferris Bueller for you. What about that uh, that no that was Nell Carter. Nell Carter. I thought you might appreciate this. Uh, there's Hello Larry. Just the, uh, the Just amazing... the name alone. Hello Larry You gotta scream it. It Yo. screamed fucking love this and it was it was starring like Raymond Burr or something this is a show called Jennifer Slept Here ever heard of it no Jennifer Slept Here American fantasy sitcom ran for one season October 21st 1983 September 5th 84 here's the fucking beautiful synopsis it was a fall release in this theory- series Ann Gillian plays Jennifer Farrell a once popular movie actress who in 1963 made the unfortunate mistake of chasing an ice cream truck near her Los Angeles, California home. When the ice cream truck accidentally backed up, it ran her over, killing her. About 20 years later, the Elliott family moved from New York City into Jennifer's home. In the series, this story conflicts with the assertion that her death occurred six years ago. Father George was a lawyer who had handled Jennifer's posthumous affairs, including the house. George's wife, Susan, was a concerned and understanding figure. Daughter, Marilyn, was a typical eight-year-old. Sorry. The driving story behind the series was that Jennifer haunted the Elliott house. I knew they were getting somewhere. Ostensibly to mentor and befriend the family's teenage son, Joey, (laughs) who was the only person who she made herself visible. During the series, however, she does make herself visible in at least one episode. 
Naturally, Joey had a hard time convincing his family and friends of Jennifer's ghostly experience. They not only refused to believe Joey's claim, but often concluded Joey needed psychiatric or other help. In one episode, they hired a phony exorcist in a, in a poultry. A phony area. one? <laughs> yes. Just a goatee mod? <laughs> To rid the house of Jennifer's spirit by capturing her in a jar. How good is that Holy shit? crap. That's even crazier than I was going to guess. You were like, and she chased an ice cream truck. And I was like, does she fall into the little Brea tar pit and is frozen? No, it's even better. She straight up dies and she's a ghost. I mean, and like, they're like, I don't know who's she going to haunt. Teenage son. Let's go with the teenage son. Yeah, he's horny. You know, he's got his like pheromones raging uh oh man you, you interested in needles and pins about a woman's clothing manufacturer <laughs> yes please nathan, are they ghosts uh it's called needles and pins nathan davidson is the owner of lorelei fashion house a manufactured woman's clothing located in new york city's garment district this is a dirty greasy mid-70s manhattan you can just feel oh, the grit. Yeah. Oh, that that district still's got a little bit of rough. Oh, yeah. His business partner is dilettante brother-in-law, Harry Kark. Wendy Nelson, the daughter of a friend of Nathan's, just moved to New York City from Nebraska and has taken a job with Lorelei as a fashion designer. She must adjust to the hectic pace of life in New York City in general and the fashion industry in particular. Also working at Lorelei, Sonia Baker, bookkeeper, secretary, Charlie Miller, salesman, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, pretty basic sitcom. Who's the Who's the main star? Norman Fell. Who's Norman Fell? He's just a like. Uh, what's his big? Oh, he's Mister Roper. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was uh, in the uh, Odd Couple TV yes, show. Yes, yes, yeah. He was Felix. Yep, yep. Got it. Got it. Um. Yeah, anyways, I was going through there. I'm not going to... Well, I got a segment for you that Thanks. could be starring Norman Fell. All right. Directed... This is a JPN 70s original. Okay. Segment. Crazy science. I'll, I'll just get into it. So you Good. can imagine the 70s patina on all of this. The hazy the hazy yellows. Well said. Uh, the year is 1925, and we find ourselves in the mysterious hills of Grimaldi, Italy. Looming over this lush Italian countryside is a menacing, is the menacing ever-present castle di Grimaldi, or as it was whispered by the locals, Castle Vornov. Okay. Uh, the castle was named after its new owner, owner, a Russian doctor, infamous across Europe, uh, and his name was, he was the surgeon, Dr. Sergei Vornov. During the day, you could see the good doctor wandering his palatial con- uh, courtyards filled with exotic creatures, birds of paradise, and his favorite, and the creature favored best above all, the good doctor's favorite, monkeys. Oh, boy. It seems the courtyard had been turned into a sort of simian gulag. <laughs> Dr. Vornoff believed he had found a path to the fountain of youth. He had stumbled onto a process that could increase one's Size, strength, and lifespan. It seems Dr. Vornoff had found a way to create Nietzsche's famous Ubermensch. And all it would take is one simple thing. Monkey nuts. Okay. 
So here we go. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Dr. Vornoff was a pioneer of a process known simply as monkey testicle to man or monkey testicle to man testicle testicle xenogra- xenograph. This is real, right? This is real. This oh, is 100% yeah. real. I this guy. So. Oh, uh, fuck. Uh, he said he was said to have taken a small scrap of young monkey testicle, uh, just a few centimeters wide and a few millimeters thin, and he would sew it onto that of his patient's scrotum. Mm-hmm. So just a little incision underneath, a little taste. get a little little young monkey zest, monkey nut zest, slip it in. So, so we're not shut. a full nut, just a little piece of nut next to just their a, nut. a sliver, like if you were zesting a for a nice fancy cocktail. Oh, okay, like a Zimmer uh, bite. Yeah. Uh, the procedure could do everything from return youthful energy to curing senility and schizophrenia and, radi- and also radically prolonging life. And, of course, increase your sexual sure. libido, uh, which quickly became why people were so excited about it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's the point. Uh, he called the process rejuvenation. Uh, the good doctor was born in Russia and raised in France. He trained under Alexis Carell, who was an early uh, transplant pioneer and won the Nobel Prize for uh, the process by sewing blood vessels together. Oh, okay. So this guy, he knows his shit. Vornoff knows his shit. Trained under, trained under one of the best. And then he took a little, took a took little a back turn. alley, a, a little science back alley. <laughs> uh, when he fell in with a uh, physiologist named Charles Edward Brown Sequard. Sequand, who was also interested in the rejuvenating effects of animal glands. Okay. Uh, Brown Sequard uh, began experimenting on himself, very selfless, sure. uh, by injecting his body with a serum that contained a crushed, mat- crushed matter of testicles of a guinea pig and dogs. He's putting so that he in just, his nuts? Just put that. No, he's just shooting the straight in his arm. Ah, oh, he's going vain. Yeah, he's going, getting the old, uh, you know, the press, the old garlic press out with a little guinea testicle in there, a little dog nuts. So is he just getting the juice out of it? He's not. You can't put I, like a chunky blend into your bloodstream. You would assume it just has to be the essence because, yeah. yeah. The way I read it, I envisioned chunks, but I was right. like, you can't inject yourself you can't put full meat of in your... testicle chunks. <laughs> right. Like, but you were talking, like, he's actually taking monkey testicle and inserting it into the sack. This was Vornoff, yeah. Yeah. So this is what he evolved into. Sure. This was yep. the guy he got his, his taste for, oh, animal glands. Well, Fantastic. Well, what's interesting about that is, like, your glands do create, this is, mm-hmm. this my science is about as good as Vornoff's here, but yeah. glands what we do know is glandularly what part of the is that the endocrine system they mm-hmm. create all of the i'll say chemicals that make our body function like the fight or flight the adrenaline yeah. this that's why like like for i'm only thinking of like uh fear and loathing when he eats the adrenal gland it fucks yeah. him up because it's just pure raw. adrenaline it's yeah it's raw yeah. human chemical or they say like uh, M- MD- MDA, whatever that shit. Oh, MDMA. Smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Is actually your, your brain can release that chemical naturally in much higher quantities. And right, they and say like that's the, uh... what happens when you die is your brain releases that to like ease 
the transition. Because it's like the serotonin, melatonin, yeah. and all the, the stuff released by your uh, pineal gland. Right. Pineal gland. So I don't know um, if there's something to be said about juice, juice in the gland and getting that straight juice. I feel like we're at the, the, the barbarian fringe of what will be science. Right. So they're sure. like, just crush that gland and just lick it. Of course. Lick the hammer. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right uh so and th- to answer your question like that's part of like so Vornoff watched this dude crush shit and shoot it into his arm and was like yeah no nah, that's fucking bunk what you need to do is do the tissue graft which he knows how to do because he trained under the blood vessel stuff the yeah. best of the best and part of how this started to take root in his brain was he started uh he worked for the longest time as a surgeon in Egypt. And okay. Egypt at the time still had a uh, large culture of eunuchs. Mm, okay. So he observed all of these men who had been castrated and noticed the effects of them not having their testicles. So he then proceeded, like, well, let's give these, let's help these fellas out, huh? So he saw the guys, like, what were the effects he saw of testicle lack? He, well, what he said in his diary was like they were like soft, weak, flabby, right. sort of like like what you think about when you read like Arabian Nights or what you think about when you uh, like Game of Thrones. Sure. Like just they just lacked testosterone, so I think just I who and who knows if that was even true. He just is like. Trying to justify putting some animal's testicle inside of you. So he's sure. like, don't be a eunuch. They're you, gross. Because you think about it, sometimes, like, that sexual drive is like the monster chained to your fucking bed. Like, yeah. Like, you could get rid of that and you'd be like, ah, what am I going to do tonight? I guess I'll just read the encyclopedia front to back. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you might be so, like, a little less aggressive, but those a lot rugged more time on your hands. Late 1800s, early 1900s that lack of like drive it's just like that lethargy it's like huh he's they're useless like what the right. fuck you're just a house cat <laughs> yeah sure like i i need you to fight in the first world war like you need to so yeah so so, so he worked there for like 15 years in egypt uh he moved back to france and cut his teeth operating he perfected the system on beasts of burden so to prove his theory he would implant young testicle meat into older animals so like draft horses and mules uh cows uh and then this was a quote of his there are a lot of there are a lot of killer quotes that came out in this that uh higher simians were the perfect donors for humans because they shared all the necessary biological similarities required for a transplant with the benefit of monkeys having a stronger constitution so it goes back to like monkeys are just fucking Tough dudes, bro. Yeah, Look at that you, monkey. I hope he had to fight that monkey hand hand to hand combat to get those nuts. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, he wouldn't be winning. So this is one of the the sentences I was like, okay, this is a very jerk practicey thing. So Vornoff implanted a chimpanzee's thyroid gland into a young French idiot. <laughs> course <laughs> uh, I, I love when idiot was used uh uh less um what's the word i'm thinking of less vitriolically 
and more it just, just like, yeah, oh, he's was, an idiot. He's a he's an dumb idiot. Dumb. He needs a monkey thyroid to get his shit going, baby. So did he put the thyroid in his nutsack? I put it in his chest. Where it was, yeah, he just put it in his cheek. Just dip, just dip that monkey thyroid. Uh, I assume in his neck, like where a thyroid would go. Maybe the nut. I mean, the the scrotum is the perfect receptacle for just just fill it with. uh, It's like the crisper of the body. (laughs) He just put a you know a couple ducats in there, gold doubloons, monkey thyroid. What we know about transplants now, like literally even needing mm. the same blood type, these people yeah. all got very sick, right? Well, that's, I think, where he got away with it because it was so Minute? small Yeah, that the body didn't, it wasn't necessarily like a full-on organ transplant. Because what, what did I say? It was like a millimeter by an inch. So you're talking like, just like fingernail ish like just a strip oh man that's just just a little taste but think about it it was like, like I'm, I'm, you're gonna be tough now you're gonna be virile you're gonna be strong oh, sh- oh yeah i get it yeah oh i'd be what about that guy you know there's always a the guy that takes it too far like the person yeah. that got all the body modifications to make them a real jaguar or oh, something right. so there's yeah, a the guy who's dude, just got a lizard dude who's just got a testicle pouch that looks like santa's treat bag you know what i mean just full of give me a monkey give me give me some of that gator taint gator <laughs> give me a gator a couple, gator a couple of shark's teeth in there <laughs> a nice onyx uh so here's another quote the sex gland stimulates cerebral activity as well as muscular energy and amorous passion it pours into the stream of the blood of a species like a vital fluid, restoring energy to the cells and spreads, creating happiness. Sure. Uh, so by 1923, Dr. V's testicle grafts had gained such popularity and acclaim that a special reserve was being set up in Africa to specifically capture and maintain the best of the best monkeys to snatch their nuts. Yeah, but I gotta tell you, that's where you go wrong. If you want a real virile monkey, right. you gotta get in the wild. You, gotta, you can't put a captivity you gotta, monkey. You gotta hunt that dude. Mm-hmm. So that was also part of why he moved to Italy, because it's physically closer to Africa. Yep. Okay. Had okay. enough money from all of these transplants to buy this castle, and then just had cages on this palatial estate for future transplants he had a whole operating theater there like this is straight up like dr frankenstein's castle i was gonna say this is so haunting the visual i have in my head is so terrifying that's the that's the car you end up hitching on like hey which way you going right i'm just going to warnos castle direction like what mind if i hitch along and you're like never been to a castle before angry gorillas in these cages up (laughs) this dark (laughs) castle you're just like i think hitching was a bad idea they all have just the cute, cutest little bandages across the oh, loincloths yeah. with bandages on them. Oh, man. These guys are all real pissed. Uh, so, yeah, by the mid-1920s, over 300 procedures had been performed at 10,000 francs a pop, baby. Yeah, this guy is And this is 1920s money. Yeah, this guy's uh, got a moat. And... Oh, uh, 
because motherfucker likes money. Hey, ladies. He developed a process to implant monkey ovaries into women, claiming he could turn a grandma into a debutante with one simple process. Don't discriminate. Don't. He doesn't, man. Forward thinking. See, I feel like by the time I'd finally jump on board, I'd be like, I'm not going to be a test subject for this monkey sack treatment. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, 300 guys already did. All right, I'm going to hop on board. And he'll, he'll be the guy who sells me. He's like, I got a new treatment. And then you hitching up to the castle <laughs> will see me walking down to the castle with a Dahmer-style drill hole in my head with just a monkey dong hanging out of the side of my head like a worm sticking out of an apple. <laughs> well, and that then it gets to like at that point because the Ubermensch thing comes in because he started to get you started to get blowback from the yeah. process. Sure. So you, you only you're only getting really rich people doing the process. They're bragging at parties. They got this done, mm-hmm. whether or not they're as virile and fertile as. He claims they're still not going to, they're not going to admit, it's like bad plastic surgery. Yeah. You see those people, they don't admit it's bad, They're and you just got to admit, oh, you look great. You look fantastic. Sure. So he started getting pushback on his science, and he was doing experiments on sheep, and he claimed he, because he, he started to have to do blood type. Sure. For, like, fuller transplant. So he was working on blood DNA and, like, implanting into sheep. Because he claimed he could make super sheep. Okay, sure. And he put his foot down. He was like, I will never do that full process on human. But he did claim he could make an Ubermensch. Like someone that could live. His process, he claimed you could live for 200 years. Which, and be vital and vibrant the entire time. Which he did do. And it lives in the dungeon of that cat. It lived in yeah, the dungeon of that cat long after his death. For that's the sitcom. It's just like Jennifer slept <laughs> here. <body. laughs> Ubermensch slept here. <laughs> Teenage Joey moves into the castle. The castle Vornoff. Um, there's a man with monkey testicles talking to me as I sleep. Uh, so and we're I got a couple more points and then we're go. Other questionable experiments that uh, Mr. Vornoff uh, undertook was. Transplanting a human ovary into a monkey, unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Attempting to impregnate an animal with human sperm, also unsuccessful. Uh, and then this one is just like, try and unpack this statement. And trying to lock down the testicles of death row criminals to see if their grafted tissue would impart their perverse traits onto other human donors. Oh, shit. So like putting a madman's testicle. There's yeah. your sitcom. Nerd gets killer's <laughs> testicle, and what happens? Or one and one, what do you balance happened? it out? Or like, yeah, the buddy, it's the switch, it's the classic switch. You know, Judge Reinhold's a, a serial killer, and you can bring him back, I'm saying. You bring back That's Judge the Reinhold, thing, we Fed, Fed had this idea, but we were like, it was called, the sketch was called Ari and His Penis. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, the, sure. you go the oh, nuts. Fuck, yeah, that is right. Get rid of the dong. It's all the glands. So I was thinking, I I forgot about that sketch, which is a sketch where a guy was on a date and he just had a very lewd penis that could talk to him. Um, 
But I was thinking of the sketch where so famous and amazing actor Jerry Orbach, if you lived in New York yes. in the mid to late 2000s on the subways, you would often see like Jerry Orbach gave his life to the theater, but he gave his eyes to one lucky donor. And we're like, mm-hmm. well, what else did, you know, who got Jerry's test? Oh, well, wait, <laughs> yeah, right. one person got Jerry's eyes. If There's I'm, so if I'm the, the guy meeting the guy with Jerry's eyes, you'd be like, wait, but I got Jerry's eyes. And then somebody's got to break the news. Like, no, you just have his nuts in your eyes. <laughs> his testicles in your eye socket. Yeah. Um, which was a fun sketch. But uh, that, uh, that's not, nothing beats that the closer of Mitch coming out with the eye patch. And then the dick sticking out of the eye patch. Then what did I get? It's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's such a stupid, <gasps> such a stupid so sketch. Uh, that's great. That's really weird and, and horrifying. Oh, yeah. there. Are two, I got two points left, and oh, it won't surprise you. Uh, World War II stalled his research. Really? I thought it would vamp it up, especially yeah. being in Italy. Uh, he hated Nazis. He left. That's why he left Italy, because he fucking hated Nazis. Probably because they were like, this guy can make us an Uber mention. He was like, right. see ya. Yeah, no. I'm not going to get murdered by a Nazi. So World War II uh, stalled, his dis- uh, stalled his research. Also, the discovery of testosterone. Sure. Yeah, real science. So, mm, science? Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. They actually found out these glands. You don't have to juice them. Right. You can just pump them a little bit. Uh, he worked as a surgeon for the French during the World War. His castle was destroyed during the American invasion. Um. He died discredited, but extraordinarily rich in the year 1951. Uh, over 2,000 man-monkey testicle rejuvenation processes took place between 1920 and 1940. So 2,000 people got the monkey rejuvenation. For like 10,000 francs, you said? 10,000 francs. At the start? Oh, man. And I'm sure there's flex. I'm sure a couple of them, there's, I'm sure there's probably about 500 under the table. I mean, oh, yeah. And the initial experiment. It's like, what is this? A chestnut? Stuff he, like, went off the rails with that he's like, I can't tell anybody about this. Don't. How amazing of a setting, uh, mm-hmm. narrative, a uh, baseline story is that for any number of things? I keep picturing, like, a, a horror movie set in World War Two as yeah. these soldiers, American soldiers walk into a world they weren't expecting like just literally like i'm sure it's the end of the war and they're just going to occupy this castle until they yeah it's like because they've liberated so yeah yeah just like they they like they went and just like partied at the eagle's nest those guys got lucky (laughs) right they're at buchenwald right these guys end up at mornos castle as like they like you know are like sitting with an expensive cognac and they just hear like Just a bunch of horny monkeys with human nuts. All the nuts they took out. And a 200-year-old man (laughs) had too much time on his hands in the basement. (laughs) So, yeah, that's Dr. Vornoff. That's beautiful. Sitcom. That's a real sitcom. Or not. Sitcom. Sorry. Jerk practice, jerk practice, sketch boys love to reminisce, yeah. Mr. Burns, pirates got your yacht. What? Well, I suppose some mishaps are unavoidable. (laughs) No! Furious.
is George. What have they done to your beautiful face? Oh, there, there. Smithers, this monkey's going to need most of your skin. Mm. Well, I thought I could leave us on that. We had a good, we had a good run. Fuck yeah. It's very well, JP. It's one of those things I was like, I regretted not knowing about it in our younger years, but then I also didn't, because then it would just be one more obscure historical sketch we did where we had to explain it for 45 minutes after the show. That is so fucking weird. I had uh, uh, my therapy appointment this morning, and it was so fucked up. This is so exactly what you're talking about. I was talking to her <laughs> about all my demons. We won't get into that. And then, of course, we. she's like, of course. She's like, I didn't know you were into the Civil War. So get from A to B. doesn't matter. I, I got to the Civil War and I was like, oh, yeah. And then we trace oh, back, yeah. like, why, why am I into the Civil War? And you're just like, holy shit, I got to be careful taking these trails. But ultimately, then we get to me telling, to trying to explain our sketch, George Tecumseh's <laughs> to Tuxedo Shoes. Oh, it's so good, though. And she was just like, what's what? amazing is I had started to explain it, and we still, I'm still on Zoom calls with her because um, mm-hmm. of COVID or everything. And for whatever reason, like, I got a phone call, so it, 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 it threw off my, like, audio. So, like, mm-hmm. she's like, I can't hear you. And I was like, I can't hear you. So, you hang up and then set back up. It's called Doxy. It's like a secure thing. And then mm-hmm. she's like, we got, like, three minutes left in the session. And she's like, okay. And I was like, this is going to be a letdown. As if I'm pitching <laughs> sketch. I was like, so the story is he wore these uncomfortable shoes, not regulation. And he got sores on his feet. And everybody made fun of him for having gross feet. She's like, all right, so our next session's in two weeks. Da, da, da. It's just like, how fucking perfect I, is my life? You need to see that. You you have to see the sketch. Oh, man. That's funny. It's oh. just funny you mentioned it. Yeah, thank God we didn't have more innocuous. Just, it's like, how much time do you have? There was This sketch needed five minutes of exposition, and we had six minutes to do the sketch. So we had to set up. There was a civil war. People don't give a shit. Uh, yeah. George Tecumseh Who Sherman he was. Was, a, was a general. He was quite eccentric. Uh, they had a specific type of dress. Tuxedo shoes are uncomfortable and strange. But also he didn't wear socks, and that's how you can get sores from these tuxedo shoes. They were his dad's. This is a room. It's like, and then Grant comes guys. in drunk as a party animal. Yeah. <laughs> Just Come on. So good. Oh, I love it. <gasps> Uh, nice, nice. I think that's, yeah, right. Uh, that's a well-rounded. We started with uh, oh, we started with history and ended with history. Ended with history, from the Roosevelts to the Shermans, Hit, and all and the the monkey nuts in between. All the monkey nuts in between. I bet Sherman, he was probably investigating. His brother was a senator from Ohio. <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah! Oof! He's actually Casey. I think. Uh, of your own city if you look it up online you can visit the sherman residence in ohio uh in mm. columbus i believe in columbus like the famous he's a sherman columbus man. man i think he was a columbus uh representative and then senator i'll have to look that up i didn't know that yeah, now our whole audience knows that <laughs> i'm sure they're like come hey, visit guys. we'll all take it to her <laughs> thanks guys guys stop <laughs> i wish twitter would shut you down <laughs> They don't know who we are, so it doesn't matter. No, no. They, they, you know what? I, I wish 
they would shut the, they'd be like we're shutting down jerk practice they tweeted once in 2009 <laughs> and i don't think they knew how to use it because they just added themselves instead of they sent a message to themselves <laughs> i don't know if this is working yet yeah they sent a message to their myspace page about how to generate more posts to get more random people to their shows what's a blog oh man are you blogging this week question mark exclamation question mark (sighs) well we love you all and there's nothing you can warn off do about it watch your testicle man watch it because you may need it remember the next cancer survivor got mad at us about testicle meat i did as i wrote this i was like he's not gonna like this one (laughs) he's still hey i mean i (laughs) hope he is (laughs) we had it he came back he came back for one episode he was like you know what i need in my life some chuckleheads talking shit and they're still talking about it it's like every bit of you gets cancer you don't have to defend that part Hey, yeah, take it easy on the testicles. They get cancer, you know. You like, know, dude, this isn't you're... your uncle Joy, all right? <laughs> it's not. A, it's not an affront to you. All all pieces get cancer. Testicles it's all equally funnier. bad. Yeah. And testi- such a you sort... can live through the testicle one. Yeah. That's an easy it's... one to get. They say because guys Throw are always touching their nuts, so they're like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, hands <laughs> off." The fear, the fear is like, oh my god, <laughs> I got a lump. He's like, you guys keep digging that grave. 